Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, guest host Christine Kane talks with author, Bible teacher, and co-founder of Messenger International, Lisa Bevere. Lisa shares how letting God direct your life helps you fulfill your calling and clarifies your true identity in Christ. I think this is a question that all of us have to ask ourselves. Are we here to be popular? Are we here to be influential? Because if we are going to be popular, then we are going to be common. But if we are going to be influential, then we are going to be powerful women. And I don't believe that you've come here just to get more followers on your social media. I believe that you came here because you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you are more concerned about people following him than following you. These are things that we all need to know. And I hope you felt today that you were invited to a table where you could listen to women. They would tell you the things that they've learned through hardship, they've learned through trial and error. I'm gonna show you a little picture of what my world looks like. I am a mother of men and a grandmother of four. So I am surrounded by testosterone. I come to women's conferences to steal estrogen. When I hug you, I have just sucked your estrogen out of your body. I spend more time tweezing my chin than my eyebrows at this point in my life. So I have a beautiful daughter-in-law, Juliana, imported her from Texas. My oldest son, who is the father of my four grandkids, my youngest son, Arden, who just got engaged and getting married in November. My husband of 36 years. Yeah, hallelujah, John Bevere. My two granddaughters, my second born son who gets married next month, actually a month from today. And then my only available child, Alexander, right there. That is actually exactly what I would look like and act like if I was a man. Alec is my clone. I love Alec, he's amazing. But I wanted just to establish the fact that I am a grandmother, not a hot grandmother. I am just a Sicilian grandmother. And how many of you know there is something different between Italians and Sicilians? There are. Do we have any Sicilians here? If you're Sicilian, love that. Stand, stand to your feet if you're Sicilian. Okay. All right. Wow. Jesus is coming back. When the Sicilians get saved, Jesus is coming back. Sicilians are different than Italians. Italians will feed you, but Sicilians might kill you. Sicilians are Greeks, Arabs, and Italians mixed. We are the ones that gave the world the mafia. You're welcome. That is our contribution to the world. So I am a Sicilian grandmother, but for the next half an hour, I'm gonna be your Sicilian godmother. And I'm gonna speak to you the things that I've learned because I believe that we're in a crisis of truth and identity. And if I can impart wisdom in the area of truth and identity, 
then I believe that I can send you out armed with what you need to be armed with to take what has been seated in your life and activate it into your world. I'm gonna open up with a story and I kind of felt like all of us must have talked to each other ahead of time, but I'm going to open up with a story of identity that we find in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. I'm gonna read it from the message because I like the way it's unpacked, but you can read it from any of the other references. It says, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer on Twitter. Some say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets on Facebook. But he's pressed them. And he said, how about you? See, at this kind of gathering, Jesus is always putting his finger on you and saying, how about you? You heard who Lisa Harper said I was. You heard who Christine said I was. You heard who who Hosanna said I was. But how about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon had a moment. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. See, when I have a revelation of who God really is, I discover for the first time who I really am. See, God is the only one who can tell me who I am really am. Other people can tell me who I've been, but God is always going to tell me about who I am becoming. God wants to press you and say, who do you say I am? Because when you have a revelation of him as Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God, then he has permission to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. What was wrong with the name Simon? Simon was one of the 12 tribes. Why change the name from Simon to Peter? We have to know the meaning of the word Simon to understand why a shift needed to happen. Simon means to listen or to hear. It also means read like. Simon bent in the direction of what he heard. And God is saying to us, I cannot have you be a people who bow and bend in the direction of every wind of doctrine who are bowing to what they hear. I got to have you be Peter. I got to have you be rock solid. And then he goes on to say, and this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, how many of you ever watch those commercials or you've watched it online? It's like, and if you order in the next five minutes, I think they actually took it from this scripture because it goes on to say, and that's not all. You will have, no, who will have? You will have, not I will have, you will have. Say, I will have. You will have complete and free access when you come back to Propel. No, you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. 
A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. And a no on earth is a no in heaven. See, if you don't know who you are, you don't know what to ask. That is why Christine said, do you actually really know who you are? You are a citizen of heaven. And then Lisa said, do you actually know you were never meant to fit in? And then Hosanna declared, there's all sorts of names about who you are becoming. I don't know what names you have been called, but I do know that God has called you by name. And God does not name us according to our history. God names us according to our destiny. And there is a name that he is speaking over you right now. Names of strength, names of courage, names of redemption that he is whispering to you. Do you know he calls me things before I ever am them. He spoke to me when I was a busy, exhausted young mother. And I remember looking in the mirror and going for the very first time to meet with the publisher and I thought, this is a joke. I looked in the mirror and I said, that is a sleep deprived mother of four young children. And God said to me, you're not who you see. You're not who you see. See, God sees things that you and I miss. And he said, today, if you will stop limiting yourself to what you've seen or what you've been, everything will change for you. It happened for me when I was putting on my mascara. When I was putting on my mascara, God said, this day, everything changes. Well, as you're sitting here in this arena, I believe this day, everything can change. Everything can change. It wasn't just a trick to get you to stand up in a moment as Hosanna was declaring names over you. We understand that we cannot activate you if you don't know who you are. You cannot be set in motion if you don't know what you have. And if you don't know where you belong, if you think you are supposed to fit into this world, then you will not begin the things that God has for you. We are supposed to be people who begin something, not just belong something. We are supposed to take territory. And God has put you on this earth in this time, this incredible time of opportunity and opposition because he knew that you were created for this moment. You gotta know who you are. You are Peter. I love this idea of rocks. Peter, you are stone. For the last couple years, Christine has had to endure phone calls with me while I debrief different ideas. I am so random that on my last book, 35,000 words didn't even make it to the book. I was like writing, 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 it was nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> but I wrote a book called Adamant, not Adamant. I know it's kind of confusing if you're older like me. Adamant, because I became fascinated with this concept of Christ the rock. Christ the rock. Now the word adamant, you and I know this word to mean stubborn and unyielding. But long before adamant was an adjective or an adverb, it was a noun. And in many ways, it was a dream. Greek poets and philosophers hypothesized about a stone. A stone that would be woven so tightly that any inferior stone would be shattered if it came in contact with it. They also thought that this stone would be magnetic, where it would draw but never be drawn. The stone would also have a unique relationship with light, where it could capture light and redirect it. You could put the stone in fire and take it out and it would be cool to the touch. 
It was independent of its surroundings. And they called it Adamus. Adamus means invincible. This idea of an invincible mineral, an invincible stone, was so compelling that it traveled from Greece, where everything originates, it traveled from Greece to Great Britain, where it was renamed Adamant. For years, they looked for the Adamant stone. It's interesting, Charles Spurgeon talks about hearts of Adamant. They thought that a diamond, when they discovered it was an Adamant, but then they put a diamond into a vacuum and magnified light and it vaporized. They're like, okay, that's a problem. Maybe there was never anything called an adamant. But you know what I think? I think those Greek poets and philosophers were looking for something they had not yet seen. I think that they were dreaming of what we see in Daniel chapter two, when it says, I saw a stone not made with hands, and that that stone hits all the man-made images from gold down to clay, and then that stone becomes a mountain, and then the mountain fills the entire earth. Well, we know Jesus is that cornerstone that was not cut with hands, and we know that the church is Zion, and it is the mountain that fills the entire earth. See, I believe that God is wanting us to understand that in him you are invincible, that he is our adamant, that he is our immovable, that he is our unshakable, that he is our constant. And because God does not change, you and I can. If he was a moving target and you never knew what you could do to please him, you wouldn't know how to draw near to him. But our God changes not. It says, lest you be consumed, is what it says. But our God is a God who is eternal. And Jesus is not just one of the best ways. He's not just the Christian's favorite way. He is the only way. And if he is not the only way, then he lied when he said he was the truth. And so we have to believe that Jesus is everything that he said he was, or he is none of what he said it was. And because we are gathered here believing that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life, then we understand that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That we are corporately part of this rock called Christ. Isaiah 51.1 says, look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. You and I are in Christ. We're not white knuckling it, trying to hold onto a rock, hoping we don't fall off when a wave hits us. You and I fall and we fall in him. We are in the rock of Jesus Christ. You know, it talks about, Paul like kind of does this offhand comment about this rock that followed them through the wilderness. And he said, which was Christ? I'm like, wait a minute. There was a rock that followed the children of Israel through the wilderness, which was Christ. I called my Messianic rabbi friend. I said, I need you to talk to me about this rock following them through the wilderness. He said, oh yes, there was a rock that rolled around behind the children of Israel and would roll up to the tabernacle and give enough water for three million people. There is that rock that has followed you through every wilderness, which is Christ. I don't know what desert season you are in. I don't know what dry place that you are in. But if he could follow them in that one desert, then he can follow you in your many deserts. And the translation for that word rock is an unassailable refuge. 
We live in a time period where we need an unassailable refuge. We need something we can hide ourselves in. Our culture does no longer go on quests for stones of power. We have demystified everything that caused us wonder. We know the stars are vapor. We've sent probes into the ocean. And yet, when we have lost contact with answers larger than ourselves, we have lost our way. When the truth becomes fluid, people begin to believe lies. Our culture will say things like, you have a truth, you have a truth, you have a truth, you have a truth. No, you have a story. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. And the truth doesn't change. Stories change. There are things that are true of me that change. What is true of me was on Thursday, I had gray roots about one finger's width. But I also went in on Thursday and I got those gray roots colored. What is true of me? The truth of me is that I color my hair. But that's gonna change. What is true of me right now is I have four grandkids, but I'm grandkid greedy. I want my boys to reproduce. I'm hoping to have 10 grandkids in the next five years. So true of changes with our circumstances, changes with my visits to the Tony and Guy to get those things, but truth doesn't change. Truth doesn't change, it's eternal, it's immovable. We live in a day where our networks are vast, but our connections are shallow. People are having sex with no intimacy. Millennials, some of the most brilliant people on the face of the earth, I love millennials, I birthed four of them. If you're a millennial, wave at me, hallelujah. I love the millennials, I'm so glad you guys are here. Millennials, some of the most well-connected, well-educated people on the face of the earth are also some of the most confused. It's because they have so many options. When I got married, it was like, do you want the Christian guy with a job or the Christian guy without a job? The answer is always Christian guy with a job. So I had two choices. I didn't have 350,000 choices on my Instagram. I just wanted to take a nap when I'd see that. It's overwhelming. But I also believe that millennials don't understand that there is something unique about them. So they're so busy looking at what everybody else is doing that they can't figure out what they're supposed to do. And I don't believe that the millennials are called to do something that has been done before. I think they're called to do something that has never been done before. And when a generation is called to do something that has never been done before, they cannot be distracted by what everybody else is doing. Other thing about millennials is they don't get to do it alone. See, in the last days, it's the old and the young, the visions and the dreams, the men and the women. I'm sorry, the future is not just female. The future is male and female. And so we need to stop buying into these lies that we add value to women by taking it from the men. We don't add value to women by taking it from the men, and we don't add value to the men by taking it from the women. Both male and female get their value from God. And we need to model that, because we have a culture that has a scarcity mindset that said we cannot celebrate black without denigrating white. We have to understand it's a divisive spirit. 
that is dividing our nation, the male and the female, the black and the white, everything that you see right now is about dividing and conquering. We cannot buy into that because we rally around the truth and we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are not citizens of the United States of America first. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we bow our knee to truth that is eternal. So we're not gonna change things to make our culture feel better. Truth is not a river, it's a rock. I love the Genesis account. In Genesis chapter one, verses one through three, you see the Spirit of God. Spirit of God comes on the scene and he sees chaos. He sees disorder. Now you know that God did not create the world with chaos and disorder. God always has pattern. He always has structure. But what you see in the book of Genesis is you see the Spirit of God hovering. You see the Spirit of God hovering. And that word for hovering means to approach with gentle, cherishing motions. When there's darkness and chaos in your life, in your family, in your city, in our nation, the Spirit of God does not turn away in disgust. The Spirit of God hovers. The Spirit of God draws near. The Spirit of God begins to speak. And the very first thing that God ever does is he separates light from dark, lies from truth, despair from hope. He goes in and he calls those things that have been buried under deep fathoms in your life to the surface. He looked at the deep and he called forth those things. This is what Activate is about. See, the Spirit of God has been hovering. He's been approaching you with those tendering, nurturing motions. And he's calling forth those things that have been buried in your life. Because see, our God is adamant in love for you. Our God doesn't have love for you. He is love for you. And his love is invincible. That's what the word adamant means. Immovable, unchanging, eternal. Our God is adamant. Our God is adamant in love. And because God is adamant in love, he will go after the things that wound you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. When I was writing the book, I had a shocking moment. I'd just gotten done writing about how God is adamant in love for us. And then he's adamant that we love one another. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, and I'm adamant in hate. I thought, wait, wait, wait. How can a God who is love hate? He said, I hate what unmakes love. I hate 
what unmakes those I love. I hate what distorts your image and undermines mine. Everything, notice I said thing, everything that God hates is about protecting who God loves. See, because God loves everyone, he cannot love everything. Give you an example of something that God hates. God hates pride. Do you know why he hates pride? It says that he has to resist the proud. And God hates anything that separates us from him. But he gives grace to the humble. God hates divorce. Now that doesn't mean he hates people that get divorced. It says he hates divorce. You know why? Because it overwhelms a woman with cruelty. Why would he hate that? Because he's a loving husband and he's a loving father and he would be protective of his daughters. God hates false witnesses. Why would he hate false witnesses? Because the very reason for his throne is justice. And so God would hate anything that would undermine justice. So God hates the things that separate me from him. He hates the lies. He hates the strongholds, and he draws near to heal those things. I've seen God go after the things that were so deeply woven in brokenness in my life, and with one sentence, strip it away. I'm the mother of four boys, and when I found myself pregnant with my fourth son, I didn't yet have the sonogram, I began to panic, thinking I was going to have a girl. I was like, okay, I, I can't do girl. I can't do girl. I, I don't know how to do girl. Plus, I was terrified because my mother would always say things to me like, I hope you have a daughter just like you. <laughs> and I would foolishly answer back, I hope I do too, because I will know how to treat her. But then I became a Christian and I was like, oh no, 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 I don't want the evil daughter. I don't want the evil daughter. I, I want all boys. I want all boys. Please, Jesus, give me all boys. And I was praying and I found myself just in this time of terror. Because see, my mom didn't get what she needed from her mother. And her mother hadn't got it what she needed from her mother. And because my mom didn't get what she needed, I didn't get what I needed. And so I didn't resent women. I was afraid that if I had a daughter, I wouldn't be able to give her what she needed. And so I remember I was praying and all of a sudden I saw myself in a field. And in the distance I saw this tower. And I thought, you know what? I need to run to that tower. You know how there's just fields where you're like, I just need to close the distance. And I went running and I began to climb this tower. And what I found at the top was a big treasure chest. I remember thinking, this is gonna either be weapons or it's going to be jewelry. And so I flipped open the lid and I was shocked what I found. I didn't find weapons and I didn't find jewelry. I found photographs of me when I was a little girl. All the photos that had been lost when my parents' basement flooded, I found in that treasure chest. I began to pick up them one by one. Images of me missing my front teeth, sunshine in my face, 
images of my parents smiling, images of Christmas. I found myself just going through them, going through them. And all of a sudden I heard a voice behind me say, I always thought you were funny. I turned around and he was gone, but I had such a sense of the presence of Jesus. Why would he say something so random as I always thought you were funny? Well, there was a reason for that. My parents would fight and I would come home from school and I would come in and try to do humor to dismantle the tension that was in a household of an alcoholic, adulterous father. And my mom saw me as dismantling it, as disloyalty. And so when my father would leave, she would become very, very angry with me and often physically violent. So I didn't know how to love a daughter well. My mother, when I was seven, sat me down and said, who do you love more, your father or me? And I said, I, I love you both the same. And she said, you can't. You can't love us both the same. Who do you love more? I said, I, I love you more. She said, no, you don't. I thought, okay, same is wrong. You is wrong. I said, okay, I, I love dad more. And she said, I knew it. And she said, no, this is what she said. She said, you will need a woman and I will never be there for you. So when you're a little seven-year-old girl, little things come in your heart. You begin to write things in your diary. You make declarations. And you say, I'm never going to be a mother like that. I'm never going to have a daughter. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be that. And then Jesus comes in and says, I always thought you were funny. I always saw what you were doing. And you know what? I ended up having another boy. Why would he even heal me if I was just going to have another boy? Because when you attach your value to the wrong imagery, God's going to go after that. And he's going to shift it so that you can see yourself the right way. See, other people might call you failure. He calls you his own. Other people might call you girl. He calls you daughter. See, daughter and son is how God relates to us, not boy and girl. I understand trying to reassign your gender. I remember when I was engaged to John, I started to panic. I realized, wait a minute, I am going to be the female. This is going to happen. I'm going to have to be like the wife. And so I tried to like make a new arrangement. So I came to John and I said, hey, you have no idea what an amazing deal you're getting. He's like, oh, okay. And I said, I have a woman's body and a man's brain. My husband was like, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Why would I have done that? Because I had been hurt by men, but I had been wounded by women. And when you have been wounded, you will disassociate yourself. That is why we have days like this. Because in one second, Jesus can bring a healing that changing everything about you could never heal. See, I understand the liaisons. I understand the drunkenness. I understand hoping that something else would make me whole. 
But I also believe that if the church actually allows Jesus to touch her and heal her in the most deep places, that we will be a force for healing and restoration, that we won't have to trick people to come into the church. We'll have to build bigger buildings because they're going to come running in when they find out there's healing in the presence of God. There's deliverance in the presence of God. There's tools for your marriage in the presence of God. We need to give them what they're looking for instead of saying that they're looking in the wrong place and telling them they're wrong for doing that. We need to tell them, I understand why you are looking there, but what you are looking for, you will never find another man or another woman or another sexual liaison. You will only find it in Jesus Christ. And he doesn't change. I chose men who were hard to please, and those are men that are hard to keep. That's what you do when you've been rejected, or abused, you go back to try to find healer from the people that rejected you and abused you. That's why we need Jesus. He is our constant. He is our adamant. So I want to read you a couple of things so that you know who you are. First of all, you are more than what can be seen or touched. You are more than what you've known or done. You are more than what others think or even your own self-perceptions. You cannot be measured by what you own or lack. You are more than the span of your years for you are a daughter of the eternal realm. You are more than single, divorced, widowed, or married. You are far more than your gender. All of these represent how our lives appear, but they are not our source of life. If a fire ravaged my home, and I escaped. I would escape with everything of value. There is one thing that actually God cannot do though. He cannot lie. Nor will he repeat the lies that other people have spoken over you. Nor will he echo the lies that you have spoken over yourself. He has been face to face with your darkest fears and your deepest longing. And he is not put off by any of those things. He's the author of those deep desires. And he is the finisher if you will let him do that. Our God is an intimate God. Our God is a God that is coming after those broken places so that we can fall upon the rock and be healed. Our culture is positioning itself for the rock to fall on it. And they're going to be crushed because they're gonna find out that they've built their lives with untempered mortar. And so we have to be the people who have built our lives on the rock. When I was sitting down there, I was so excited about the way everything was going. And I felt such a strong declaration because I, I know what happens when you go to something like this. You come here, you lean in, the Spirit of God drops things into your heart. You are with your friends. There's an iron sharpening iron. There's a hope. There's a dream. There's a relationship that you're going to go back and you're going to do something with. But when you go back home, everything feels a little different. And if you don't understand that the enemy is going to come immediately to steal what has been sown, then you'll be caught off guard. See, I love it when I get attacked. When I get attacked, I assume I'm doing something right. 
I don't know if it's a half Sicilian thing, but I'm kind of like, whoa, what is it about me that when I come home from Activate Propel, all the demons in my house start acting up? Here's the thing. Your husband's not a demon. Okay, here's the thing. We're living in a day where Timothy was told by Paul it would be very difficult for godly people. He said in the last days, it's gonna be very difficult for those who choose to live godly. What does that mean? It means to make God choices. It means to be holy. I know we don't like to talk about that word, but holy isn't us trying to be good. Holy is a people who are gods. Holy is that we live in such a way that everybody knows where we actually belong. That we are not citizens here, but that we are kingdom people that we are holy, that we are consecrated, that we are separated for a higher calling and a higher purpose. But I feel like I would be remiss if I did not give you a weapon to leave with. And so while I was down there in worship, the Holy Spirit gave me Isaiah 54, verses 13 through 17. And I wanna give you the promise, because God usually gives you a promise, and then he gives you a sword. So here is the promise. Isaiah 54, 13, they're not gonna put it up, you're just gonna have to trust me that I'm reading a scripture. It says, all your children. Do you hear that? All your children. I don't know where some of your children are right now, but I know that the promise of God says, all your children will have God for their teacher. What a mentor for your children. I claim this promise for all four of my boys. I did the King James Version. I said, my children will be disciples taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace and undisturbed composure. All your children. I don't care how bad they are right now. It is going to be a new chapter and a new day. All your children will have God for their teacher. What a mentor for your children. And then he goes on to say, You'll be built solid, grounded in righteousness, far from any trouble, nothing to fear, far from terror. It won't even come close. And then he kind of shifts it. And he said, if anyone attacks you, I'm just gonna tell you they're going to. If anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? If anyone attacks you, when people come out against you, you have two choices. You can let your critics define you, or you can let your critics refine you. Go ahead, and the things that they say, take it to God. But he's not authoring the attacks. We always can grow, we can always learn. But God is saying to you, if anybody attacks you, if strife is stirred up, it wasn't God who authored it. And he said, nothing will come of it. He goes on to say, I created the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also created the destroyer, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. God's decree. So you will have problems. But God is saying, I'm gonna take those problems and I'm gonna work them out to work the best for you. I'm gonna build strength for you. Obstacles are our preparations. We have to have something to overcome if we are going to be overcomers. God is the one who made the destroyer and he said the weapon 
that can harm you has not even been forged. From an eternal perspective, we need to shift how we see things. So I want you to stand up to your feet and I want to declare something over you. See, whether you know it or not, in Christ, you have a frame of adamant. You are covered in the indestructible work of Jesus Christ. You are wrapped in something that the enemy cannot touch. And you have a soul of fire. If you know that you are here because you knew that there was something on you. See, there is a gift of God that is in your life that's like a flame. And you are here to fan that gift into a flame. I can't fan your gift into a flame. I can just tell you that there's a gift in you. You are entrusted to fan that gift into the flame. I also believe that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and with the fire of God. I want more of the fire of God in my life. I want the cleansing and the purifying and the power of God in my life. It's not enough just to be filled with the Holy Spirit once. It's an, it's, it's an infilling that constantly happens over and over again. So, John baptized in water, but Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. So I want you to lift up your hands and say, Heavenly Father, baptize me in your Holy Spirit and your Holy Fire. Do a work in me. Burn out any chaff. Remove anything that separates me from you. I want to love who you love. And I want to hate what you hate. I am here to set the captives free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Propel Activate 2018 is a year of shift, is a year of strength, is a year of the presence of God, is a year of the signs, is a year of the wonders. You have been in this atmosphere. What has been imparted, you take it out. You take it to Target, you take it to even Walmart, you take it everywhere you go. You are an ambassador for the living God. You have the power of God in your life. You have the word of God in your mouth. We are for you, not against you. We need you to be everything that God created you to be. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.